0: So good to see you guys. Yeah, you know, in Alabama, we say row tide. It's not roll tide. It's row tide, and we barely have teeth, so whatever. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but I live in Nashville now, so I don't even claim that. I'm joking. I still love my roots in Alabama. It's a great state. Oh, my. Happy Independence Day weekend to all of you, and statistically, do you know what that means? At least two people in this congregation will come back next Sunday with nine fingers. (laughs) So, friends of faith, yeah, we're talking about the things that impact and grow our faith, but I have a question for you on the onset. What if growing our faith, what if growing our faith is more about what happens to us than what we hear about faith? What happens to us rather than what we hear about faith? So I heard this statement many years ago from my friend Pete, and uh, Pastor Kyle and I shared this same appreciation for this statement, and I don't know who originated this statement. It's been attributed to Mark Batterson, Andy Stanley, Dallas Willard, and Pete Wilson, but I, so one of these guys said it, the guy that I heard say it was Pete Wilson, and it's a dynamic statement. When it talks about faith and hearing about God and hearing about all the things we can do as Christians, here's what is often said, we are often educated beyond our obedience. In other words, in church, we often know more than we do. And I think that's why discontentment grows within Christianity is because we have a lot of Bible knowledge, particularly what other people should be doing, but we ourselves don't do what the Bible says often, right? And now y'all probably live the whole thing, but down in Tennessee... We don't do that sometimes because we know more than we're able to do. So it grows this discontentment in us, right? So education about faith, knowing more about the Bible, knowing more about whatever subject doesn't necessarily mean you have a deeper faith. It actually just means you know more than the person sitting beside you. But my question would be, does me knowing more make me love you more? Does me knowing more make me love you better? And if not, then I'm not so sure that that knowledge was beneficial. So education about faith doesn't necessarily or really do much to increase it. It can help, but it doesn't really do much to increase it. In fact, I liken this to kind of like a seed. Knowing about a seed doesn't grow a seed There has to be a breakdown in a dark place for a seed to grow into something great. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. Now, I'm not talking about the breakdown you had last night in the dark. That's different, right? But you understand a seed has to be planted, buried in darkness, and the environment has to be there for something to grow out of it. In other words, a physical activity had to take place for the seed to grow the same is our faith but what grows our faith how do we cultivate that well first i would like to go to hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 and if you've been in christianity at any amount of time prolonged amount of time then you've probably heard this verse but i want to share with you two words out of it that are i think important hebrews 11:1 says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We generally focus on the hoped for and the not seen, but we fail to realize that faith actually has substance and evidence. Do you see that? I hope for it, I don't see it, yet he calls it substance and evidence. So obviously, faith is substance and evidence. In other words, faith is weighty. It can be held. It can be seen before it is seen. It can be experienced before it is experienced. It is substance and evidence. It's something that I can hold on to. My faith, the thing that grows in me, is alive and well. I can hold on to that. And I love the... The, the description that Pastor Kyle sent me about the series, whenever we were talking about this, I said, give me kind of an idea of where I would need to go. And he sent this description, and I thought, this is great. I'm just going to read this as a part of the message. Faith is not just a momentary or single act of trust, nor is it something you get, to, you get at the beginning of your Christian life. Instead, faith is a lifelong process that continually exerts demands on us at every stage or challenge of life. Right from our childhood to old, to old age, the work from work to retirement, in joy and in even sorrow. So, how does this substance, right this thing that we can hold on to, how does this evidence play out? How does it become a reality right here, right now? In fact, I like the way the writer of Hebrews says, he starts out the sentence, now faith is the substance of, right now faith. I like to play on that word right there, now faith. Not just faith for tomorrow, but now, right here in this moment. Now faith, in this moment, is this something I can hold on to and believe and root myself in and grow myself in because it is happening now in the moment. Now faith. How do we do that? How do we grow that now faith? So I wish that I could take credit for all the stuff I'm about to share with you. I'm just not that smart, hence the song we started the day with. (laughs) Just joking, right? I wish I could take credit for all this, but this is actually from Andy Stanley, who is probably my favorite pastor in the world has been for many, many years. He pastors a large church in the Atlanta, Georgia area called North Point. His daddy was Charles Stanley. If anybody familiar with Charles Stanley who recently passed away, his father, uh, his son is Andy Stanley, okay? And Andy wrote a book years and years, years and years ago, I mean, probably 10 years ago now, I would say, called Deep and Wide, out of the Bible song, deep and wide, deep, okay? And uh, so he wrote a book called Deep and Wide, and this book is fantastic about how do we approach church culture and how do we grow our faith. And Andy wrote about these five things that impacted me in such a way reading the book that I just wanted to share them with you today about this subject. Now, I'm gonna go through them really quickly, give you a short description, and we're gonna take a little poll. And I want you to participate by raising your hand in a moment, okay? First, I wanna tell you These five things. He says our faith, our faith is grown these five ways. Practical teaching, what I'm doing right now, sermons, podcasts, books, lectures, classes, etc., right? Practical teaching, private devotion, prayer, worship, fasting, etc., etc., right? Right? Personal ministry, the way you show up and serve in a local church, taking a mission trip, any, any type of way that you serve. It's a personal ministry that you have. Maybe you're teaching a class, leading a small group, or what have you. Pivotal circumstances, that's self-explanatory, right? And providential relationships, the people who show up at the right time at the right place in your life. Now, I would like to believe that my preaching changes your life. Right, well, I've got one fan, appreciate you, right? I would, but here's the thing, here's here's a delusion that Pastor Kyle and I are not under. We are not under the illusion or the delusion that our sermons fundamentally shift something in you to the point that it is completely life-changing. Are there moments that happens? absolutely. Like, I I can tell you a moment way back in the day where T.D. Jakes preached a message called The King Has a Crippled Child, and I totally ripped this message off for years because good preachers steal other good preachers' sermons. Hence the reason I'm preaching this one today, right? But if you guys remember, I even preached that message here a while back called A Crippled Christian. I just had to retitle it to make me feel better about ripping it off, right? But if you remember, I kind of laid down in the floor here Remember that? It was awful dramatic. I know. I, I get it, right? I'm dramatic. It's just the way it is. My daughter's the same way. You'll get to meet her one day. Y'all, I promise you I have a real family. But nonetheless, they were actually coming today, but then my daughter's going to church camp and she had to pack and we had to send her off and I've got to FaceTime with her as soon as I'm through preaching so that I don't miss her for four or five days. She's going to church camp. It's her first time to go to camp. Yeah, so it's going to be fun for her and freedom for me and her mother. Um, so... <laughs> Right? But that message, T.D. Jakes' message, fundamentally changed to me because of the abuse I had been through, the abandonment I had been through, the loss of my grandmother, my mom had left when I was 14 months old, right? You've heard some of my story and then losing my family from 11 to 16 years old, kind of not uh, losing a lot of those to death, right? To tragedy, the, the abuse that I had been through from seven to 11 years old, all of those things. And that sermon fundamentally shifted my faith in God. But those come every so often, Right? So, I mean, if we take a straw poll here, how many can say, and you can be honest about preaching, that I can remember a time where preaching fundamentally shifted the core of who I am? Let me see your hand. Yeah, not everybody, maybe a third of the group. That makes sense to me, right? Yeah, and I appreciate you, some of you saying that just to make me feel better. I'm joking, right? I believe you, right? It, it fundamentally shifts us, right? Well, let's go to the second one. How many could say that private devotion, prayer, fasting, these type things, worship and alone, fundamentally shifted your faith? Anybody? Yeah, a little bit more hands. This is how this goes, right? The third one, personal ministry. Serving someone else or doing something, going on a mission trip, something like, let me see your hands. How many could say, this impacted my faith? Yeah, about the same as, as personal ministry. I mean, it's uh, private devotion. The fourth one. How many can say that pivotal circumstances catapulted your faith? There we go. That makes better sense, right? And the next one, providential relationships, somebody showing up at the right time in your life. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is powerful, right? That we get to see why, why pain and people are our greatest influences of faith. Pain and people are our greatest teachers. The pain that we endure, the pivotal circumstances that we go through, all of the messiness of life that we go through, and the people that we meet, are generally the greatest growth agents of our life. And by the way, those two things are the hardest two things to deal with in our lives, pain and people. This is not the time to look at your spouse. <laughs> Honestly, I could just close my notebook computer and us go home right now, but Pastor Kyle's asked me to preach for a specific amount of time. <laughs> that alone is, is, is what I wanted to tell you today. How do we grow our faith? We embrace pain and people. Those two things alone will grow our faith. We're going to break that down a little bit more, okay? So... When it comes to, we're going to go back to the top of the list, okay? When it comes to practical teaching, let me show you how practical teaching grows your faith or helps grow it. First, practical teaching, what I'm doing right now, what you experience in podcasts, books, other sermons, etc., classes that you go to, right, devotionals. Practical teaching fertilizes my faith. It gives me the stuff to grow it with. It may not necessarily shift it completely, but it does fertilize My faith, and I encourage you, read, write, and listen. Read, write, and listen. I'm going to make a statement that sounds a little snarky. I don't mean it that way, but let me just tell you, you're only as ignorant as the last book that you read. Read. When I read, I now can say I know more about that than I did the day before. Read. What's the old statement, right? The only difference between a person who can read and can't read is the person who does, right? The one who reads, there's no difference. If you can't read and you never read, there's no difference, right? So read, grow yourself, grow your faith, find whatever you're struggling with, find a book to read on it. But what if I read the wrong thing? You'll figure that out. Because if it's not beneficial, it's not right for you. Read, understand yourself, understand your mind, understand your heart. We grow and fertilize the faith that we have. The second was private devotion, right? Again, we've already kind of preached the message, so if you want to check out right now, you're totally welcome to, right? The second was private devotion. If practical teaching fertilizes my faith, private devotion waters my faith. It waters my faith through prayer, through fasting, through worship. One of the most Beautiful ways I'm able to water my faith is spend time in worship, put a song like the goodness of God, and just let that permeate every part of who I am. Yeah? And can I just take a little sidestep here today and just encourage you and just say it's not only that God is good, but I want to remind you that you're good? And it's hard for Christians to believe that about ourselves because we've been told how bad we are for so long. But I want to tell you you're good. Because God has never changed his declaration about creation. He said creation was good when he gets to the day six in the creation of humanity. He says it is very good. Very good. There is goodness in you and there is God in you. Can somebody say amen to that? You are worthy and loved. So private devotion waters my faith. Practical teaching fertilizes my faith. Personal ministry clarifies my faith. And I love this one. It clarifies my faith. Personal ministry helps develop my passions and clarifies the areas in which I have a calling or desire to be a part of, or a desire to be a part of, yeah? So it clarifies it. When I get involved In personal ministry, it opens up my eyes to see people differently, to see the church differently, to see mission differently. It clarifies what's happening in me. I can often cling on to something when I get clarity around what is God calling me to do? So when I show up to lead a small group or show up to serve as an usher or whatever positions you all have here, right? When I show up and serve that way, it clarifies what I need to do with my life. God may be developing a whole ministry in you. So getting involved in that will clarify and bring clarity around what you need to do in your life. It may not even be within the four walls of the church. it may be ministry in the marketplace or something like that, but at least you will get clarity around that. And pivotal circumstances and we're just going to kind of parallel park here, these pivotal circumstances that come along, pivotal circumstances fortifies my faith. James 1 and 2 or James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 starts out like this by the way I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you and tell you I think James's first part of this statement sounds ridiculous but I'm not James the brother of Jesus so I can't write this sounds ridiculous to me consider it pure joy brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds thanks James Consider it pure joy. This sounds ridiculous to me, right? It's hard for me to go, yay, I'm in pain, right? Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of what kind? But here's why. Because that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything these pivotal circumstances creates grit in you. It creates grit in us so much so that the writer says that perseverance has a work to finish in us. And what is that work? Maturation and no lack. Of course, he isn't speaking about lack of things. We don't have a lack of things. I would suppose that James is saying that this lack of things would be when perseverance has done its work, we will not have a lack of confidence or character or for that matter, we will not have a lack in our position in Christ Jesus. But what I can tell you is on the other side of pivotal circumstances is a fortified faith. I can look back at my life and say, If it had not been for the pain, I would not know what I know about God today. If it had not been for the disappointment, for the abandonment, for the hurt, for the loss, I would not know him like I do today. Andre Crouch, one of the greatest singer and songwriters and pastors, he's in heaven now. Andre Crouch had a song that said, um, I thank God for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys and I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I never had any problems, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God's word could do. And Andre would say, but through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. It's through all of it. Yeah. Yeah. it's hard to thank him for a mountain when I'm climbing it. Yeah? It's hard to thank him for a valley when I'm in it. But when I come on the other side of it, I can say thank you for these pivotal circumstances that brought me to this place. Years ago, I worked for a guy who was pretty wealthy and overall very good to me but there was things that we would know or come to understand that was abusive behavior toward us and it really crushed us at one point and it, it hurt my wife and I it took years to heal from, from that ultimately I believe this person had some good intentions just didn't know really how to lead people very well and I always, wondered, I always wondered you know why did we have to go through that abuse particularly in the name of Jesus because you know there's, 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 that's just tough when Jesus' name is attached to that pain why did we have to go through that season of life and I'm not just making an excuse for abusive behavior I really am not I genuinely can say on this side of it I'm so grateful that we experienced that Because today we get to go heal that. But had I not gone through that valley, had I not gone through that pain, we couldn't show up from that pivotal circumstance and be in people's lives that need that today. You know why? Because I can't give what I don't have. Which takes me to the next one providential relationships. Not only do pivotal circumstances change us, but providential relationships change us. These providential relationships are the people that show up in our life at the right time, the right place, with the right word, with the right hug, with the right kinds of words. And sometimes they just show up and they're just there. How many know sometimes you just need people to show up and shut up? Right? (laughs) I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to fix anything. Could you just come stand beside me to let me know that you are there? So providential, um, pivotal circumstances fortifies my faith, but providential relationships, you know what it does to my faith? It furthers my faith. These providential relationships pushes my faith forward. Because I had I not had a companion, somebody to come alongside of me, My faith may have been stifled and stopped, but these providential relationships come into my life and push me forward. Some providential relationships in my life began with my band director in high school. My band director would stay two hours several days a week after school with me until I could go home just to make sure that I was taken care of. He would go the extra mile to practice my instrument with me and he loved me well. He made sure that my band uniforms were paid for. He made sure that I had money to eat with when I go on band trips. He made sure that I got to and from competitions. He loved me very well. He became a providential relationship for me. My algebra teacher, Rebecca Smith, became a providential relationship for me. She would show up in a time when I needed a really strong mother figure. And although she could not teach me algebra to save her life, (laughs) she sure did teach me about the love of Jesus. And I can't count worth a flip, but let me tell you, I know Jesus. (laughs) Right? Carolyn Lovelady, Lady, the lady who ran the front desk of my elementary school, would often pull me aside and take me over to this little area in this uh, office space and grab my little hands and get down right in my face and tell me how much she loved me and how much she was proud of me. And she would pray for me right there in that school and remind me of God's goodness. She became a providential relationship in my life. And she went to heaven this past year. She was a, a woman who changed my life. Teachers alone became providential relationships for me. So teachers, thank you for being who you are. You are a providential relationship to someone. So Matt, what's the point? If I could summarize all of this, I'm gonna go back to my main point. Embrace pain, embrace people because those two things will be the greatest catalyst for your faith. I would love for my sermons to impact people's lives the way pain and people have impacted mine. That's not a reality and that's okay. I would love for private devotion and personal ministry to do those things. It just doesn't the way pain and people have taught me. Now, I want to clarify one thing that I did not get to clarify in first service. If you're in an abusive relationship, if you're experiencing abuse of any kind, I'm not asking you to embrace that. Can you all understand that? I'm asking you to run from that. I'm talking about the pain where we just go, man, my life is broken and it hurts and I don't understand. God, why do I feel so lost? Why did this happen in my life? And by the way, it's okay to question God and ask him those things. You'd be amazed at how he might answer you. But he may answer you by sending a providential relationship along the way. How will pain teach you this year? How will people teach you this year? I'm gonna sound like a dad if I've ever sounded like a dad. Young people, I hated even saying that word. I hated when people would say, young people, y'all listen to me. I'm like, oh, here we go. An old person trying to tell me something that I already know. You know, until I was 25, my dad was the dumbest man I'd ever met. (laughs) He knows nothing. But something happened around 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. I, I don't know. Where I go, wow, my dad kind of knows some stuff. My dad's kind of a genius. Young people, ask your parents to teach you. Draw on them while they're here, while you can. You go, but Matt, my parents aren't safe. Find a teacher, find a mentor, find somebody. Learn from people who have been there. Because here's what I can tell you about people in pain. If I can learn from people, I can often avoid pain. Wisdom is learning from other people's pain. So today I believe those two things really impact our faith in a great way and grow it. And I'll leave you with these two final things. I don't know how to say this person's name, but I'll try it. Pima Cadron or Shodron says this, nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. So learn what needs to be learned in this moment from pain and process and people. Gain wisdom from others while you can. Embrace relationships that carry weight to them. There's a difference between a relationship that carries weight and a relationship that feels weighty. Does that make sense? Feel your life with people who feel your life. Move away from the people who drain the life of God out of you. Those aren't your people, they're somebody's people. I made up in my mind years ago. They're somebody's people. They just ain't my people. They can fill somebody else's cup, but they're drinking out of mine way too much. Y'all know those people? (laughs) Yeah, you're like I'm sitting beside them. (laughs) Let's all stand together today. Can I pray for you today before we go? It's so good to see you all again. I want to pray for you. to our dearest Jesus. Your word says that if any man lets, lacks wisdom, if any man lacks wisdom, to let him ask for it, and you would give it freely. And I'm just simply going to trust that that is true So what I'm asking today is that you give us wisdom to know when people are trying to teach us something. That you would give us wisdom to know how pain is going to show up, what to do with that pain when it shows up, how to process it, and believe that through pain and through people, our faith will grow and we'll be better tomorrow than we are today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Let's spend some time here.